that they really want to try and kind of incorporate the teens into the church. There's a lot, there's about like 30 or so that come on Wednesdays, but we want to incorporate them into the life of the church too. So twice a month, um, they'll be kind of gathering in the back. You know, if you remember when you were a teenager, I know some of us have to think real far back, but it's, it's nice. It feels when we have kind of a space of our own, right? So we're kind of giving them that so that they could feel connected. Cool. Well, it's so good uh, to celebrate family together. Uh, and even as we think of the graduates, we could not do that. We could not raise our kids without the support of family and friends, of village, as they say. And we need, we need that to persevere. We need people that are going to cheer us on, right? So I want us to think, okay, family, we got the family. But in terms of friends, When's the last time that you have experienced the generous love of a friend? God, think back to that. When I think of the generous love of a friend, there's many of your faces that came up to my mind. I could think of different situations where I was in a tight spot or I just needed a support, just an encouraging word. And I think of many here. My friends are here. And uh, one specifically, there's one friend that does come out in my mind. It's my brother in Jesus, Miguel, sitting over there, right? So if you mess with me, you, you, you got to deal with him, all right? <laughs> no, but on a serious trip, we grew up from totally different backgrounds. But this is God's grace. By God's grace, Miguel's chosen to walk with me and show me his loyal friendship, um, a couple years ago, it just seems like a blur these past two years with the COVID. Uh, he was recovering in the hospital um, with COVID. Uh, and there was a point there where we weren't really sure what was going to happen. But even then, this kind of friend he is, he's praying for others who are suffering through COVID. And even then, um, he was there to pray for uh, my father who had passed. Uh, not from COVID, but it was around that same time. So that just shows you his heart. And uh, every so often I reach out to just, man, I need to get some time with Miguel, right? So I could just call him, and then he just invites me, even though he's working, he'd come on my lunch break. And then I could show up to Chick-fil-A, right, at the lunch break. He'll take that time, right, even though he's like a manager there, right? So he has his eye watching all the folks. But he takes his time out to just have a meal with me. He never lets me pay, Right? But he's a listening ear to me, and we just kind of chop it up, talk about what God's putting on our hearts, gives me good counsel uh, on raising two boys, because he's got four beautiful children that he's raising with Adriana, so, you know, I try to take in that wisdom. And I'm so encouraged by the ways that the Spirit has gifted him. And I always feel loved when I see Miguel. I know I'm always going to get a fist bump or a big hug, so I look forward to those. So I experience as a tangible example of the friendship of Jesus through a friend. In the past couple of weeks, we've learned about how the Spirit of God, he empowers us not just for ourselves, but for more loving relationships with each other. That's why he gives the gifts, so that we could share them. That's God's generous heart. So we want to learn how to love from the best example of friendship that we have of all time, and that is the friendship of Jesus. Chris and I have worked together on this message, and I pray that the words of Scripture and the Holy Spirit 
will convict us to be more Jesus-centered friends. So please stand if you're able for the reading of God's Word. This is taken from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. So John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. And I'll be reading from uh, the New Living Translation. John chapter, oh, it's John chapter 13. I'm, okay, that was John chapter 13, 1 through 15. So you could just listen. John chapter 13, 1 through 15. So it will not match that. So we could just turn that off. All right, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. Verse 8, no, Peter persisted, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow, do as I have done to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we come into even this house of worship, Father God, with various burdens, different burdens, different things on our minds, even some dusty feet, Lord God, maybe spiritually. But Lord God, you know all those things. We come to you, and we pray that you would wash us clean right now. We pray uh, just all those burdens, all those things you know about them. We're going to surrender them now into your hands, trusting that you are in total control. You can hold all these things. You know all these things. So as you hold these things, Father, help us to be present to you. Not just here in a physical body, but actually our hearts, our minds, our ears. We're turned towards you. We're ready to receive from you. Help us to hear what you're saying to us as a church and to us individually. Help us to take that in, make that a part of our lives. 
and to really share that with others. Help us, Lord God. We trust you. We pray that you meet us. Open up our hearts to you by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So in this passage, we learn a lot. Uh, we learn a lot and so much about Jesus, what friendship means and what it could look like. First thing I see in Jesus' example of friendships, Jesus could have chosen to be with anyone, but he chooses, and he chose, while he's walking this earth, he chose to be with friends. In verse 1, it states, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world. Like, not in that hour, but like, he knew in the next 24 hours he was going to die. And he knew that his death was just, what, within a day's reach. And his response, what would you do if you're in that, if you knew when you were going to die, what would you do in your last day? Jesus' response to that fact was to love his friends to the end. In these last hours, he chose to be with his friends. Now, we should pause and be clear that Jesus took care of his family, okay? He didn't ditch his family. In fact, on the cross, while he's hanging on the cross, he makes sure that his mother, he sees his mother and he sees his friend, the Apostle John, and says, take care of my mom, right? And he is looking out for his family. And, and Scripture backs up the importance of caring for your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, but those who won't care for their own relatives, especially in their own household, they've denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Okay, so there's strong words. We're going to take care of our family. And, but Jesus is kind of pressing that a little bit within this culture to expand our idea of family. You see this early on in Jesus' ministry when his blood family thought he was crazy for the things that he was saying, he was doing, claiming to be God. So they're like, go get Jesus. They're trying to get him to come home. And they kind of bust into one of his meetings at this time. And Jesus hears this. He looks at his disciples, his closest friends, and he replies this. Well, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and it said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So he's expanding family of who we care for. And, you know, there's some of us, uh, it, it, it's tough. Some of us, uh, you know, are more faithful to our friends, but really hard being good members to our family. Some of us are really faithful to our families, but we may neglect having deep friendships. So we're called to love both family and friends. And living in that tension, it can often be difficult. But what is clear in Scripture is to commit to building Jesus-centered friendships with those who love Jesus, or as we say, our spiritual family. You see this in Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. You see that? God is setting up priority. So it's God, blood family, but spiritual family. So those around us that give their allegiance to Jesus, 
they ought to have a special place in our lives. Our friendships are crucial for many reasons. We know this, but why, why, why do they need to be spiritual friendships, right? Deep friendships with other Jesus followers is essential to fight temptation and grow into becoming more like Jesus. Talk to anyone who's been through recovery. They know they need to reach out to their group. They need to reach out to somebody. We need people in the fight. We cannot fight a battle by ourselves. Another reason is deep friendships with other Jesus followers, it's essential to show the world a tangible, that means like you could feel it, you could see it, a tangible expression of the heart of our relational God. Maybe some people are like, I don't know about God, but I see the way you guys take care of each other. I want that. That's something of God. Another reason is deep friendships with other Jesus followers is essential to help our blood families be taken care of and to give their lives to Jesus. We, like I said before, it takes a village, right? Not just the children, but even in the whole walk of life, we need spiritual family to support and maybe give us some encouragement to enter back into some difficult even uh, family relationships, right? Think about it, right? Just as you saw with Jesus, he made sure that his mother was cared for as he's dying on the cross. But that's because he had a friend that he knew he could entrust his family to. Does that make sense? And let's think about it. Let's bring it even closer. How many of our blood families sitting right here have been taken care of by the benevolence fund of this church that Sergio had mentioned? Or other means, because we have formed real, real relationships, real friendships here in the church. So we see Jesus' example of friendship in his intentionality, in his choosing of friends. We also see Jesus' example of friendship in that Jesus, he is the type of friend that is radically generous. Radically generous. So Jesus is our model on how to grow in love and friendship with each other. And at the center and the core of his model is radical generosity. Where do we see this? You know, Jesus didn't wait for people to be generous to him before he chose to be generous to us. You saw that, yes, he focused on the crowd. He fed the 5,000, but he also focused on a few friends. He, he focused on a few, right? We know the 12 as those he intentionally kind of chose to be with him. And those 12 that he chose, I mean, he's Jesus, right? But if you look at the guys that he chose, he chose friends, right, that were not necessarily similar to them, similar to him. He was a carpenter. Most of those guys are fishermen. Uh, different personalities. You see the different personalities, different stages of life, same hobbies. They disagreed with each other sometimes. They had some fights over who was the greatest. He didn't choose people that were just like him. He chose some challenging folks, I would say. He chose us. So he made a fundamental choice to be consistent no matter what they were doing. Some of them tried to even rebuke Jesus. <laughs> no matter what they were doing, he tried to be consistent with them and generous friend to them no matter what. As scripture says here, love them to the end. And he kept making that choice. In this scene that we read, uh, John chapter 13 starts it off. 
He communicates how much he loves them by doing this act of taking on the role of what a servant in the house would do in the day. He would start by washing their nasty feet. Right? This is before they had the Air Jordans. They had everyone had the chanclas, right? And it was not paved, so there's dust, animals, whatever stuff on the ground. That kind of feet. That kind of feet. Now, nobody ever feels like doing that. Let, let me be real here. No one feels like doing that. Nobody hanging around with their friends ever thinks, you know, I look at my options, what I could do with my friends right here. Yeah, I could watch a show with them. We could eat some good food. We could maybe play some video games. We could talk about, you know, work drama. Or I could wash their nasty, fungus-laden feet. Yeah, you know what? I just feel like washing their feet. That's the thing I want to do most. Nobody feels like that. That's okay. It's intentional what Jesus is doing there. Jesus made an intentional choice. He did something that pushed the lines of vulnerability and love in these relationships. That's why you hear like Peter like, what are you doing, Jesus? What? You're going to wash my feet? Nah. Right? He's, he's, he's trying to, he's pushing in to a little bit vulnerable place. He put on a radical physical act in their brains. It had to be that radical to just stick in their brain. Remember that time Jesus washed our feet? So that he could prepare them and summarize for them how he loved them. So that when he says, he loved like I had loved you, they have a picture in their mind of what that looked like. And then his love for them is so much that in the next three chapters, he goes on to tell them, everything. He wants to pour out everything to them before he leaves this world. And in this chapter, basically, if you look through it, it's all about what he's going to give to them while he's the one that's going to die. He's going, he says to them, he's going to give them his very life. He says that he's going to give them his spirit, which would be the richest possession that they could have. They said, hey, when I go, don't worry, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the Spirit, and he, the Spirit's going to be with you wherever you go. I'm limited by body, but the Spirit is not. He's in your body, right? And then he says, you know what? If that wasn't enough, I'm going to build you houses in heaven, and you're going to, I'm going to prepare them for you. And it, it's going to be like a wedding-style banquet that I'm going to have ready for you, and I'm going to throw that party for you when you arrive. And then he says, hey, through my name now, you could ask me for anything, and it will be given to you. Wow. How many of our friends sit down and do that for us? Or have we ever done for someone else? Uh, imagine, let's, let's kind of put it in this context. You know what, friends? In my last hours, everything in my bank account, it's yours. Whatever you need, just ask. I'm going to devote my entire life to take care of your needs, even after I'm gone, and I'm going to give my little life to prepare a future for you that you can't for yourselves. I'm dying to myself to give to you. Do you know Jesus is that kind of friend to you? Do you receive those words to you? That's the kind of friendship he gives to each and every one of us who trust him. We can't, right? If you look at that, it's like, man, that's crazy. That's the whole point. 
we can't be Jesus-centered friends to others until we receive ourselves Jesus' radical generosity to us and to know that that is how he loves us. And if we have that source, hey, maybe we have some strength to give. Jesus goes all the way with his radical generosity with laying down his life for his friends. Towards the end of the long conversation, he says in John 15, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he goes on to say, I call you friends. So one story that kind of demonstrates to me this radical generosity that I heard from Chris that I'd like to share with you is about uh, someone in our church family. Uh, I don't know if you have ever met Claudia and Guillermo, or Memo, as we call them. You guys ate tacos last week. That was them serving us tacos. So Chris and Maggie, they didn't throw many big parties for their kids' birthdays when they were small because, you know, they're going to remember them anyways. Uh, so they did a bunch of small kind of family sort of things. But there's one exception. Uh, Chris was saying they don't know why <laughs> they made it here, but like five-year-old. At the five-year-old party, we're going to go big. The five-year-old party, we're going to go big. Some of you guys may have even been to that party, right? It was for Sammy, I think, right? They, you know... They invited like over 100 people, lots of games, lots of friends, and you got to have food, right, if you're going to have a party. So they asked our friends, Claudia, Claudia and Guillermo, to make their awesome tacos. And like I said, the Rutes were going to have like over 100 people over. They're getting ready. But the night before the party, Claudia went into labor and delivered their third precious daughter, Monse, which you saw here this morning. So they had tubs of meat that Chris had bought marinating in their place when they had to rush Claudia to the hospital. And Chris goes to the hospital the next morning, and in his mind, he's already thinking, you know, okay, okay, who am I going to ask to cook the meat <laughs> in eight hours? He sees baby Montserrat. They rejoice. And as Chris is about to leave, he just... You know... Uh, when, when can I go over to just kind of pick up the meat? Uh, Guillermo look at him like he's crazy. And they say, Chris, Guillermo is going to cook for your party. Don't worry. He doesn't need me. He said, Claudia, man. <laughs> and then Chris is like, he responded to Memo, you're crazy. You have two little girls, Memo, to care for, and your wife is fresh off of labor. I got this. You don't worry. But apparently they almost beat Chris down. They said, you are family and we want to cook for you. So Guillermo, on zero hours of sleep, is cooking tacos all night at Chris's place. And we could tell you story after story how they keep showing this radical generosity. That kind of love is really hard to find. And even now, they, they had to move out to Pomona. Even now, they come and drive out to Pomona when they can to be family to us. So in this story and in, in what you're hearing, I hope that you hear the voice of Jesus who is asking us, are you an intentional, radically generous friend to those that I have put in your life?
say that again. Are you an intentionally, am I an intentionally radical, radically generous friend to those God has put in our life? So the last example of friendship of Jesus that we could learn from is Jesus chooses into our mess. Jesus chooses into our mess. Not only is he intentional in choosing to be with us, not only is he radically generous to us, he chooses to enter into our mess. Jesus, in this passage, you see so clearly, quite literally enters into our mess, but also the friends. He knew these guys. Jesus chooses to love his friends who are sometimes hard to love. The most extreme example is his willingness to even wash the feet of Judas who was still with them. The man that Jesus knew was going to betray him. Jesus knew who it was. Imagine Jesus washing Judas's feet. He did not leave him out of that. It takes the supernatural spirit of Jesus living in you to intentionally love people who betray you. That's a Jesus kind of love. But then he also chooses to love friends that are just difficult, like Peter, right? He just talks before he thinks, uh, who, who don't know how to even receive his friendship when he's trying to show him that love. But before we get too hard on Peter, like Peter... Don't we have ego? Don't we have some pride? About there's certain things where it's like, ah, Jesus, you don't have to worry about that. Let me take care of this. You don't have to enter into that part. Don't open that door. Jesus is trying to love us. And we put up walls sometimes that make it hard for people to really get in there. Especially to receive such extravagant love and to be so messy and vulnerable. I know some of us in this room, it's very difficult for us to receive honor. I, I don't know what that is, but Jesus wants to break through that. It's like, no, unless I wash you, you can't have part with me. We're in this relationship for real. I'm in this 100%. So learning to kind of let him into our mess too. A generous friend is not just someone who shares material resources. I hope when you hear generosity, you don't think just money. What he shared with them wasn't money. He shared an act of love with them. And that's obviously a part of it, right, if you have resources to be able to share that. But generosity is also someone who will share their time that is set aside for themselves. To give up our own comforts. To give up our needs to be respected all the time. To give up a desire to be loved all the time in the way that we feel loved. We live in a culture that is all about boundaries and self-care and sensitivity to being hurt and having to sacrifice. And I don't want to talk that down. There is a level of boundaries and self-care that's important to be sustainable, right, to be intentional about. That's why we have Sabbath. And there's a big difference between sacrificing for someone and being abused by someone. So we're not advocating that. But let's put a lens with Jesus. Can you imagine what our relationship with Jesus would look like 
if the only lens that he viewed us through was his own boundaries and self-care. Does that make sense? In our brokenness and in our selfishness, how would we ever get much of him if he only loved us when it was easy for him? Have you considered maybe it might have been hard for Jesus while he's telling his closest friends, hey guys, I'm going to die, I'm going to get spit on, I'm going to get beaten on, and then his friends are arguing about who's the greatest amongst them. You think Jesus was like, just didn't care? Like, while he's on his deathbed, he's like, guys, pray for me, and they're falling asleep. You think Jesus, that didn't hurt Jesus a little bit? But he loved us through that. Rather, Jesus says to us in verse 15 that ends this section, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. The model of Jesus shows us in so many ways uh, the measuring stick of how much of his spirit we're living in versus his spirit. How can we tell? Am I living in the spirit of God? One way to tell is the level of mess you're willing to endure to intentionally love people, to love your friends. There's no greater love, he says, than to lay down one's life for your friends. What does that mean for us? It means maybe dying to your comforts and control. Maybe to your hobbies and personality type. Maybe out of love for a friend, you're doing something that maybe you wouldn't choose to do, but because that's meaningful to your friend, you will do that. You will be there. It means to die to our own sense of humor and conversation, our conversation, preferred conversation topics. That's the measuring stick. So if we're putting our best energies into friends that are easy for us to love, that don't pull us to sacrifice or be in their mess, then we are probably not even close to experience this greater love that Jesus is talking about. Does that make sense? We know love because Jesus says, hey, if you love people that love you, even unbelievers do that. That's normal. But the kind of love that I give to you loves even beyond that, loving people who are difficult to love. And in that way, you'll be like your heavenly father who sends his son up on the wicked as well as the righteous. And maybe that's how we can help each other grow into being better friends. Let's remember, when, I, when we talk about entering into the joy of Jesus, we remember there's a difference between pleasure, happiness, and joy. Pleasure is chemically driven. That's food, substances, sex, whatever makes me kind of chemically feel good. How many of our friends are our friends because we're using them for our pleasure of our experience? Happiness. Happiness depends on circumstances. If things are my style, my comfort, then I'm happy. How many of our friends are our friends because they don't mess with the circumstances we need in order to be happy? And then there is joy. The deepest and best of them all. Joy 
is a state of being, not based on how things are going. Joy is based in a state of being, not in how things are going. It's based on a state of being in a relationship with Jesus. We choose into joy as we choose to follow the model of Jesus. We can experience joy in any circumstance, even in a prison cell. Paul, let's listen to Paul's words towards the end of his life where he's in prison in his letter to the Philippians. He even says that he's in chains while he's, he gives this letter. In the book of Philippians, he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I've learned to be content in all circumstances, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of people misquote that verse. <laughs> that verse, God, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I'm going to find my joy in Jesus wherever I am, even if I'm in a prison cell or the worst place I can imagine myself. So when we survey, when we look out right here, you look at each other, when we survey the people that Jesus has put literally around us in our church family, you can look around, you know, look at these beautiful faces here. We see people who have different hobbies, different stories. There's some amazing stories in here. Different personality types. People maybe who uh, we don't click with right away. That it would take maybe some work to be a good friend to them. Will we trust Jesus and follow the model of Jesus that radically lays down our lives for these friends? In order to live in the deeper joy of Jesus? The joy of empowered living in partnership with the Holy Spirit of God. The joy of now honoring the way Jesus sacrifices his comforts to be our intentional, generous, gracious friend. We're walking in that same spirit. The joy of walking in solidarity with Jesus and finding his unshakable joy. His promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's with us right now. Even in the midst of difficulties of giving yourself to others. Jesus chooses you. He chooses you today. And tomorrow, when you betray him, he will still choose you. And the next day, when you come to him whining and full of a temper tantrum, he chooses you. And the next day, when you won't stop talking, just rambling on and on, and you never want to actually listen to him, he still chooses to love you. And then the next day when we're embarrassed of him because someone that we're around thinks they're too cool for God, Jesus will once again, in joy, choose you. He will pick up that towel and wash your feet. I'd like to call up the worship team. Let's meditate. On that example of Jesus' friendship to us. There is no greater love where you will find a love this faithful. There's no greater love to have in life than to grow into partnership with Jesus in being a friend like this. There's no greater love, no greater riches to obtain than to have a community of friends that you could share your life with.
there will be no greater regret at the end of your life than letting your fears and your self-protection lead you into superficial pleasure just for yourself. Let's receive this deep love of Jesus and then choose into being a friend like Jesus. Let's stand and respond to Jesus. If there's anything that kind of struck you, consider the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Jesus, the Holy Spirit that he's given you is speaking to you right now bringing certain things up. Maybe it's a certain person. Maybe it's a certain relationship. Maybe it's a certain word that you sense God touching you with. Lean into that. Receive the friendship of Jesus that chooses you. Let Jesus wash your feet. This Jesus that chooses you that is radically generous, loves us through our mess, Ask for his spirit to be intentional in being a Jesus-centered friend. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for choosing us. It's not because we're worthy, but because your love is so great. God, wash my feet. Wash our feet right now. Forgive us for all the gunk, Lord God, that we've allowed to just stay and seep into our lives. I pray that you would cleanse us of that right now. We don't hide it from you because, Lord God, you know everything. Cleanse us. Cleanse us with the blood of your son Jesus who died on that cross, the death we should have died for our sins. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that you promised you would give to us that would remind us of all these things, all that you've taught us. Help us to receive your friendship. Bring to mind all the ways that you have been so faithful to us. When no one else was able to be there, you were there. You are here, and you will continue to be with us. Regardless of us, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that love. And let that example of friendship help us to hear your words and say, I've set an example for you. Do as I have done for you. Help us to enter in to intentional, radical, radically generous, getting into the mess sort of love like you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So continue to engage with God. And in that spirit of friendship, like we've been